He's going to pitch it out to He Hate Me. He's got running room. He's in. Touchdown. He Hate Me. Vegas goes up 6-0. Here come the fireworks. JT the Brick with the call on the Vegas Outlaws Radio Network. This is the JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 13. The XFL announced Monday that it reached an agreement with ESPN, ABC, and Fox Sports to broadcast games when the league launches in February 2020. Tom Looney, you were at the press conference. And you're the only guy who worked for a team where people can name one of the guys on the team. He hate me. Touchdown. He hate me. And I, I hope they allow nicknames on the jerseys again for the XFL because the only thing people remember about the XFL is he hate me and you call a he hate me touchdown. Yeah, I had a, such a great time. I called the first ever touchdown in the history of the original XFL and the touchdown of he hate me. He's going to pitch it out to he hate me. He's got running room. He's in. Touchdown. He hate me. Vegas goes up 6 nothing. Here come the fireworks. And the fireworks going off. I was the radio voice of the XFL Outlaws in Vegas. It really was one of the best experiences I've ever had because I never never did play-by-play when I got into radio. It was all talk radio and a guy by the name of John Sandler who's the voice of the UNLV running Rebels basketball team at that time was in charge of finding the broadcasters and he picked me and former Raider Napoleon McCallum to be the color analyst. Napoleon never did broadcast before so it was a little raw but we jumped right in and we were hosting games The games were at the greatest ballparks in America, Soldier Field in Chicago, the L.A. Coliseum, the Liberty Bowl. And when they launched the games out west, I got a chance to call a game at that point at Pat Bell Park, which is now Oracle Park, where the San Francisco Giants have gone on to win three World Series. So that was one of the best parts about that original launch, even though it only lasted a year. We got a chance to travel all over the country. It was great. Well, one of the things, I think the things people remember are a lot of fun. And hopefully, I guess they're going to try to steer away from their WWF roots, which I don't know if that's a good idea. People remember the nicknames. People remember the hot tubs. People remember the great camera angles, which the NFL stole some of them too. But remember, they would have guys who wore pads running on and off the field and going into huddles. There was a lot of fun stuff that they did. I hope as Vince McMahon ages, his testosterone level doesn't get lower as it does with some men. And he lowers the testosterone level of the XFL that we knew that one glorious year. I hope he raises it. Yeah. I'm fascinated by this topic for a couple of reasons. If you're going to launch it, it's coming off the failure of the AAF. Right. Where Bill Polian and Charlie Ebersol, and remember Dick Ebersol, his dad, late dad, was involved in that, and that failed violently. This AAF, when the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, launched earlier this year, I was excited to see it. My son and one of his friends watched the first weekend, and I remember going on the radio saying, this is pretty good. It looks good. It looks like real yeah. football. And like four weeks later, six weeks later, they ran out of money. No one was getting paid. Players were asked to fly home on their own money. It was a bleeping disaster. I couldn't believe it. And so the XFL now is moving into football space again, coming off their original failure. Remember, the XFL and NBC lost $35 million in 2001 before they 
shut it down. But now as we open this up with ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, all agreeing to televise these games, it seems like they took a step back, Tom, and they're going to try to do it the right way this time around. Well, I don't think that they did things the wrong way last time. All those things that I named, I just remember fun, you know, business models and and stuff like that. That bores average fans. They don't care about that. They care about whether or not they're enjoying what they're watching. So if it's anything similar to what they had before, that'll be great. I don't I, I remember when Vince McMahon held his first press conference. It was just like he was remember because it was during the Colin Kaepernick controversy. So everybody in our league is going to be required to stand for the national anthem. We were already sick of politics mixing up with our sports. And that's kind of how we kicked it off. And I hope over time with being surrounded by a lot of younger people, which I know that he is in his new, uh, in his new business model for the XFL, that they'll talk him out of that stuff. Cause that's not fun. And more uh, politics isn't fun anymore but football still is make the xfl fun you know i've never been the guy to make fun of wrestling right i'm not going to make fun of wrestling no. but it's not my thing it's, it's like never been my of game thing. of thrones game of thrones is fake and so is wrestling so when you take athletes and you put them in a wrestling environment and you have these unbelievable televised events you know, every once in a while, you get a former athlete like Rob Gronkowski, who's involved with the storyline. My friend, my good friend Pete Rose was involved in a, a legendary broadcast in WrestleMania. You can pull that off. But the athletes who are performing as wrestlers, most of them aren't former NFL players. And when you launch the XFL again and reboot it, you're not taking wrestlers and making them play football. You actually have to take football players who aren't good enough to play in the NFL, you have to put them in a football environment and hope that fans come back in week two, week three, week six, year two. It's really difficult to do, Tom, because everybody's originally interested in the launch. The launch of the AAF was great. The original launch of the first XFL was fabulous. It's not about the launch anymore. Anybody can launch a TV show. Can you keep the viewers coming back? You were at the press conference. What did you get out of being there in Los Angeles on why this is going to work and why they are really invested coming off the AAF? They're not associated with this, and they think that this is going to have a hook that's going to stay with the American football audience. Well, they're well-heeled. Uh, they're well-oiled. Uh, you know, they're a business that's w very successful, uh, the WWE and the people that are behind it and the brains behind it. They're, they got a lot of money. It's always great to be part of a really rich startup because uh, there's not usually, a lot of times most startups aren't. And this one is. And I was at the press conference for the announcing the new head coach for the XFL franchise yet to be named out of Los Angeles. And Winston Moss, former Raider, is the head coach of the Los Angeles franchise, which has yet to be named. They're rolling everything out slowly so people can build anticipation on the celebrity coach and the fun name for the team. So they're doing that right. The press conference is actually quite well attended uh, in Los Angeles. It's a Grammy Museum. And it looks to me like they've got you know, the, the woman that's running the XFL franchise in Los Angeles. The woman that is running it uh, launched the the new uh, Los Angeles Football Club, LAFC, in Los Angeles, a soccer team, and it was 
a wild success only in its second year. A tremendous success with sold-out crowds and rowdy, fun crowds and built a big fan base in its first two years. So if if she does half the job for the XFL franchise in Los Angeles that she did for the soccer franchise playing in the hood in L.A., then then they'll be uh, they'll be healthy in Los Angeles. Here's the pros and the cons. First off, the pros are is that they have good broadcast partners. Obviously, yeah. the names that they have, they're going to have good broadcast talent on television, which is going to be fantastic. And on top of that, they launched they're launching in New York, Los Angeles, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Houston, and D.C. So all of that is a positive. Here's what concerns me. Vince McMahon, who's a billionaire, has sold $100 million, $100 million in WWE stock to help fund the venture. So he sold something that has been very profitable, something that he knows, once again, to launch this league. So that's how the money came about. Mm-hmm. And he believes that he's going to have viewers stay tuned because – of the problems that the NFL has had growing weary of the scandals, players taking a knee, the politics of the national anthem, uh, sexual misconduct. Vince McMahon is talking about a league which is going to have, what, a better moral compass than the NFL? We're really going to launch this new version, the reboot of the XFL, and McMahon is on record to say he's going to do it because Certain fans are burnt out by the NFL. I don't know if I buy into that. I don't know that's a reason to launch a league because the NFL fans I talk to aren't burned out about the NFL. There's a couple of them who are pissed off. They were pissed off when politics got involved in the NFL and they they stepped aside. But I don't think they're going to run over to a cross promotion with the WWE and football because they're burnt out on the NFL. I don't like that concept. People like bad boys. People like movies that involve bad boys. They like uh, in any type of sports, whether people admit it or not, the people who get the bigger contracts, more attention uh, are, are bad boys. So you're going to eliminate the bad boys from the XFL. Don't who, who, who great wrestlers. The bad boys are really popular. Who gets the biggest ovation at all the fights in Vegas? Mike Tyson OJ Simpson. <laughs> yeah, well, he did when he was there at the fights. People would line up to get their picture taken with him. You're right, in a real dark sense, but also, and maybe in an equally, almost an equally dark sense, Mike Tyson does. You and I are there. Nobody gets a louder ovation than Mike Tyson, with a wink and a nod to Rocky, Sylvester Stallone, if he shows up at a fight. Lennox Lewis, a gentleman who is a, a, a great Heavyweight champion, but boring. And we had two guys, two immigrants who became American citizens in the Klitschko brothers. Boring. They were good citizens. People fall asleep when you've got good citizens uh, playing uh, in, in sports or, or, in, or in wrestling. And this is the World Wrestling Federation, where WWE now uh, running the XFL. And you know what? Any bad boys in your league? Good luck. Well, if you look at what happened the first time around, the critics said it was too gimmicky. You liked a lot of it. I liked a lot of yes. it. Yes. The kickoffs where they ran to midfield for the ball, the camera <laughs> angles, all of that was fun. Ah. But the XFL was put together. They didn't have a vision long-term of what would happen when they had bumps in the road. They did have a couple of technical glitches out of the way. And the players that they had at that time, they had a couple of good players, Tommy Maddox, uh, Rashan Salam. We talked about He Hate Me, who was the most famous guy on the Vegas team, but they didn't have enough good players. The announcers 
Jesse Ventura, former wrestler, Jerry Lawless, Jim Ross. That all made a lot of sense back in the day. But, Tom, this is going to come down to one big deal for me. Will the competition be elite? I want to give credit to the big three, which Fox is involved with. Ice Cube just had another draft for the Mm -hmm. big three. And one of the things that they're getting right with that three-on-three league is everybody on every roster is familiar. We know Steven Jackson, and we know Charles Oakley as a Lamar coach. Odom. And we know, yeah. yeah, all these players, Lamar Odom is back, and we remember when they played and how good they were. What is the XFL going to do again unless they can land a number of stars? And I'm not talking about guys like you know, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, who's flamed out and came back and flamed out. They're going to have to find a way to get NFL players at the edge of retirement. Good example would be Jason Witten, who left the Cowboys to become a broadcaster. Monday Night Football, it didn't work out well. He's going back to the Dallas Cowboys to play another year. Give me a player like him at that level, a really good NFL player that I know can still play. Put them in the XFL, and you get me about 20 or 30 of those guys, and you sprinkle them around all those teams, I'll watch. Oh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun if they get some name guys that have retired who were popular. That'll be a lot of fun. The problem with that now is it was easier for other leagues to do that, other leagues that tried it out over the years, World Football League, United States Football League, because they didn't get paid as much back then, and they needed the money. It's harder to find. you know. Uh, but I will tell you, now, now that I think about that, Every once in a while, some great running back who deserves a million dollars a year won't get it, and he's still in his prime, but they can get somebody else to do it for $500,000. We used to have D'Angelo Williams on the show, and he was he was ready to play. He was a good running back, but he cost too much. He actually he, he couldn't get on a roster because he wanted a million dollars a year, and they were willing to take a nobody for $500,000 a year. A guy like that could bring a lot of eyes and play very well in a new league. I'm happy you bring up that because I wanted to tie that into player compensation. That was the big difference with the AAF. The AAF launched. Everybody knew that the players would make a small amount of money. They couldn't even pull off payroll. That The league folded before their championship and their playoffs because – Once the ownership group looked at it and saw that they were hemorrhaging, they just pulled out. And I will say this, not only on our podcast, I've said it on countless radio shows. I was there for the first XFL and when they folded. And I always said this about Vince McMahon, which is a compliment. Vince McMahon saw the money they were losing. And he was such a smart businessman, along with Dick Ebersole and NBC. They folded it because they knew they were going to continue to lose money. A good businessman, when he's losing money, or businesswoman, doesn't continue to throw cash into a losing proposition. Losing $35 million is pretty bad, but if you lose $80 million, it's worse, or $150 million. So Vince McMahon, the first time the XFL was launched, and I was a part of it, he had the money to continue to fund it. NBC, a multi-billion dollar company, had the money to keep it going again. But once they saw the ratings collapse, and they knew the business model wasn't going to work, they shut it down. I'm just trying to figure out why is it going to work this time around? What are they going to do other than bring in good television uh, partners and have deeper pockets? Clearly, Vince McMahon's got the money, and these television networks are giving him money in broadcast rights to keep it going. But we don't like inferior football 
in this country. I go watch AAA baseball across the street from my house. It's one step below Major League Baseball, and people don't watch AAA. They don't pay attention to the game because it's, it's inferior. You can't tell me that the XFL, it could be competitive because both teams can play in close games, but the level is so far inferior than what we see from Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, that I don't know if people will pay attention after three or four weeks. Well, when you say we don't like AAA, just define the pronoun we in Vegas. In Vegas, you got a thousand things to do. But the Toledo Mudhens have been yeah, successful for 50 and 60 years in Toledo, Ohio. Lots of medium and small towns who have single A, double A, and triple A actually do quite well with baseball, whether it's good or not, because they're cheering for the. Well, the let, let me let me stop team. for a second. Let me stop and okay. press, preface that for a second. All right. Everybody can be interested in triple A baseball. Believe me, in Toledo, in Sacramento, right. you can be interested in it, but they're not putting the games on TV nationally. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna pick up they're gonna pick up triple A baseball and throw it on ESPN Damn and right. throw it on Fox Sports One <laughs> and Fox Sports on the big Fox because the masses aren't interested. I'd like nothing more than Vince McMahon to launch a league and friends of mine from the NFL who are going into retirement to go play in that league, make real money, hire coaches, hire trainers hire marketing departments, open up offices in all these cities where they're providing jobs and make it work. It will only work if it's great football and the level of competition from quarterback to wide receiver, from linebacker, from the sack artists coming off the edge are playing not at a super elite level, that's the NFL, but this better be legitimate. And that still concerns me going into this launch time in 2020. People will watch inferior football, JT. Have you seen Thursday Night Football over the years? <laughs> and, and and it does really well in the ratings, as does Monday Night Football. Maybe not what it did back when there were three channels, but all the NFL games. You know, NBA is popular as, as it is, not as popular as people think it is. And Major League Baseball is popular as, as it is, but it's definitely seen – a better days, some would say. Otherwise, not. You know, the Dodgers have had over thirty thousand people, and those are real numbers, not fake. Uh, at the games all week in Los Angeles, and they're having uh, Mexican Pride Night tonight in Los Angeles. As we record this, there's going to be a sold out baseball game on a Wednesday night, and, and that's for for good baseball, though that does help. Uh, with football, people watched the AAFL. I didn't really wasn't paying attention to the fact it was launching, except it did so well that I realized it was. And then I watched people will, we love football uh, year round uh, in, in America. I do think on that note, JT, I think football should be during football season. And one of the reasons why we get so excited about it in August and September is because we have had a chance to miss it. And I do think it would be nice if they launched in August or September when during football season, I don't think it's always smart to launch in the spring, you know, and maybe they have sugar plum fairies dancing in their heads that they'll compete one day with the NFL or be purchased one day by the NFL. Like the AFL was, I think every secondary football league has had that dream, but I do think the number one factor Worse than, or one of the number one factors, higher than the quality of the football, is the fact that it's spring and not fall. Well, there's a couple of issues I have there. First, number one, okay. if they 
went up against the NFL during NFL season. All the NFL partners, like ESPN, as we talked about, and Fox oh, were involved with this. They wouldn't do it because you're right. they don't want to no take away from their ratings. That's right. Yep, yep. So they don't want to take away. And, and you'd get none of the XFL content on major radio. You wouldn't get it on Sports Center yeah, because you'd be they're too watching busy. It on, the, on the WB. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're because right. they're yeah. too busy promoting the NFL. You can't compete yep. against the NFL. The NFL is a monster. But a very interesting point about launching in the spring and doing it after the Super Bowl. That was the philosophy of Bill Polian and the AAF and their partners when they launched. And it was a pretty good idea. And the rollout was, I thought I was impressed by the rollout. But the consumer, football fans who love college football and especially the NFL, because college football wraps up when? It wraps up on New Year's Day. New Year's Eve, a week after that, when we play the final four in the national championship game, those fans tend to go away and they go right back into the NFL playoffs and they get ready for the Super Bowl in February. My point is the XFL needs wrestling fans. This is a wrestling product from Vince McMahon. They need the people who go to WrestleMania and put up those enormous wrestling numbers where everybody's trying to figure out how why? How can I get a piece of that demographic? Well, that entire demographic better move with Vince McMahon. Now, I don't know. I know some wrestling fans, but I don't know how many wrestling fans love the NFL. They love wrestling more than the NFL. So you got to have an 80 or 90 percent retention ratio and get those WWE fans to follow your football league. And then you got to get some college football fans and NFL fans to come over and take a look at it. Too. And you're only going to do it if you have stars. People watch stars. We're in America. We love celebrities. Mm -hmm. And there better be a lot of celebrity football players who want to play in Vince McMahon's league. Like Tim Tebow, maybe the biggest celebrity that you and I covered. I believe he should still be in the NFL as a backup quarterback or a fullback or a tight end. That's the type of celebrity athlete I want to see play in the XFL. Yeah, and I think one of the flaws about your theory that world wrestling, that uh, wrestling fans would come over to the NFL is, is that you're presuming that wrestling fans would be sports fans. And even though it's a high testosterone sport, it's usually a lot of the same guys that like wrestling many times might be guys that like anime and cartoons and comic book conventions, et cetera. And I'm not saying this in a pejorative way. I'm just saying that that's a big part of the demographic of the guys that like wrestling. They're not always baseball, football. Sometimes you would think that because wrestlers are big muscular guys, high testosterone guys. But a lot of times, not necessarily the fans. The fans like the drama and the cartoonish aspect. And many times they'd rather see a cartoon than football. Well, the thing that I'm going to watch, and we, we talk about this often on the JT and Looney podcast, is that I like when the media, when the media gets hoodwinked, right? Because I'm proud that I don't get mm -hmm. hoodwinked as much as most members of the media. Right. We did earlier podcasts on LeBron James and how people bought that hook, line, and sinker. I call it the LA Welcoming Committee. As LeBron came in and everybody lined up and said, oh my God, my radio show is going to be bigger. My TV show is going to be bigger because LeBron's coming. They didn't even make the playoffs. Just sit back and watch on how people now at Fox or ESPN are going to be forced to pump out this product and tell you the guys who hated wrestling and got in trouble for ripping on wrestlers back in the day. And all of a sudden they're going to have an XFL player sitting down and talking with them on a podcast or radio or TV show. 
the launch is going to have to work. The media partners that we mentioned earlier are going to have to pump out the content of the game, the broadcasters, the players, and a lot of guys who are against Vince McMahon, against the concept of WWE football coming over to real networks are going to have to get in line and start shoveling oh, this God. bullshit going <laughs> forward. And I don't think it is. I don't think the product is bad. I'm rooting for the product. I'm rooting for the product. But I just think that the people who are tied to it because of the broadcast partnerships are going to be giving you a line of garbage because they're going to be forced to do it and they don't want to oh, do it. You're talking about the discomfort level. Yeah. Of when, uh, like when we were younger, of when Dick Enberg had to read a promo for Punky Brewster. <laughs> when we were watching the AFC Championship game on NBC. <laughs> and that's going to be, yeah, a yeah. lot of broadcasters are going to be put in the position of bullshitting the viewer because they're going to promote an unknown product and have to tell you how great it is. Yeah, this could be good kitty football. And what I mean by this is that dads who can't afford the NFL, I live in Vegas. We have a brand new football stadium being oh, built and the yeah. price of admission for those games in 2020. Remember the Raiders and their new stadium launch in 2020. Oh, nothing. There's a new football stadium in Los Angeles was a year behind because of a couple puddles of rain in Inglewood, they're <laughs> going to launch a new football stadium with the Chargers and the Rams in LA. And it's going to be super expensive to get in, get club seats, $15 a beer. It, the park, it's going to be crazy. If Vince McMahon can price this correctly, where the dad who wants to take his son and the kid across the street and they can go in and get a $20 ticket, a $30 ticket, concessions right. are cheaper. They're going to have fun. There is a market for that all the time. But, hey, Vince, Vince McMahon, JT the Brick again, giving you one bit of advice, even though you're a lot smarter than I am. Make sure it's not pretend football. Make sure it's not pretend wrestling football. Get the best football players available, pay them what they're worth, and get them on the football field and make sure it's competitive because – the AAF looked competitive for a week or two. They didn't have the money that Vince has, and the thing crashed and burned. So I hope that the XFL gets off to a good start. It's entertaining, and it gives us more football to consume because I'm a football fan. If you're going to want great quality football from the XFL, then he might have to revisit and flip-flop, he being Vince McMahon, that Republican speech he gave when he announced the XFL, because if you want great football, you're going to have to have a couple of guys that got kicked out of college in your league, JT. You're going to have a couple, have a couple of guys that flunked out of college in your league because maybe they flunked a drug test or something. Uh, so maybe no, no pot testing in the new XFL and bringing in a bad boy or two who might have been the best, you know, bringing in a Jameis Winston who might have been the best college football player in the country but got kicked off his team. Jameis Winston didn't, but I'm using him as an example. Well, Cam Newton did at Florida. So bring in a guy like that who might be the best football player in America but kicked, got kicked off his college football team. Is the XFL winning to, willing to roll the dice on guys like that? And if they are, they'll have a great product. But do you think they'll be? Well, it's 2020. I think they should launch Eli Manning's second career. By that time, Eli Manning will be on his victory lap. He won't lap. offend anybody. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He won't offend anybody. Have Eli just stay in New York and play for the New York team. So we wish the XFL good luck. Good luck, Vince McMahon. And we'd love your feedback at JT the Brick, at Looney on Fox, not only with the podcast, 
but especially what you think it will take for the XFL to get off to a good start and sustain some success going forward. Down the stretch they come! Always to oh me, on a scale of 1 to 10, a 9 or a 10 when they're coming down the back stretch of Churchill Downs, and I loved it. Well, it's amazing, and you know, you and I grew up with Dave Johnson, a guy out of Washington, saying, Down the stretch they come! Always such great, great calls for the Kentucky Derby over the years. And I grew up in a horse racing house. I have seen every Kentucky Derby since I was a child. I'm always in front of a television, usually on the West Coast, about 3.40 Pacific time, 6.40 Eastern time, approximately year in and year out. And I think I've seen every one, which means I've probably seen almost every Preakness because you want to see if you're going to have a chance at a triple crown. So almost every Kentucky Derby and Preakness over the course of my life, I have seen when I was a little boy, my grandfather, grandpa and grandma used to grow go, my, my, my mother's parents used to go to Atlantic City like white people did back then. <laughs> I used to spend the entire summer in Atlantic City and pay for their vacation with my grandfather's winnings from the track. So that's how deeply entrenched DNA wise. I've been with horse racing over the years, including growing up in upstate New York with the Finger Lakes racetracks, et cetera. So I'm always there in front of the television. And I had a feeling something was going on when it took us 20 minutes to find out. You know, things are disputed all the time in horse racing and at the Kentucky Derby. And it takes us two or three minutes sometimes before the unofficial turns official. That was nail biting. And that was strange. Well, controversy is still swirling over the final and what happened after the disqualification of maximum security. And from being on the radio and talking about this with fans, I saw so much go down. I couldn't wait to get on this podcast with you. First off, I saw a grown man cry. I was ready to watch the Kentucky Derby and close to my home is the Red Rock Resort and Casino. And they have a great sports book about five minutes from my house. So I timed it right with about 20 minutes before post. I went to the Red Rock. I walked into the sports book and it was packed. It's packed and everybody's at the window trying to get their ticket in. Well, I didn't want to stay after the race. I had the fight that night. Right. The Jacobs Canelo fight. It was Cinco de Mayo weekend. I needed time to get ready, needed to come home. And I had to head down to T-Mobile for fight night. And once maximum security won that race, they put up the fact that there was a delay and they were going to take a look at the video. We were going to see what would happen. Did he win it correctly? Were they going to disqualify him? And I stood around that Red Rock and I watched people in anguish. I watched people walking around confused. They, they didn't get great information because you're in the casino. At home, Mike Tirico, mm -hmm. what a job he did. He was Mike good. Tirico is the best of the best with Costas at stalling, like our friend Chris Myers in NASCAR able to keep the broadcast going as they were going to make this final decision. They disqualified maximum security. Tom, five minutes later, I saw a guy probably between the age of 35 and 40 crying, tears flowing down his face as he lost thousands of dollars on a box, on a trifecta bet, because uh. he had maximum security to win. He had maximum security boxed, and he lost his entire bet because of what happened with the disqualification. And then I took phone calls on Sirius XM from fans, truckers who said, JT, I lost $9,000 on that ticket. A woman called me and she said, I lost $6,000. I was actually at the Derby. And Tom, everybody got screwed. 
Everybody got royally screwed, got dressed up, put on their bonnet, their dress, went to Churchill Downs, and they got screwed because the sport disqualified the winner for the first time in 145 years. Except for the people that might have put $1,000 down on Country House at 65 to 1. Those people didn't get screwed on the other hand, but, but there weren't as many of those. Not very many people betting on long shots like that at Kentucky Derby. I believe the greatest long shot to ever win the Kentucky Derby, Country House at 65 to 1. Not the way you want to win it. It was picture perfect in terms of maximum security on a muddy track with the owner and the horse in pink and not a speck of mud on them because they ran such a beautiful race and they were in front the entire time. So there was no mud to be splashed on them. Everybody else covered head to toe, every other horse and jockey head to toe in mud, except for maximum security, pristine and beautiful. And the jockey, pristine and beautiful. And to have that taken away, to have the roses taken off your horse, to have the camera switch to the, the horse with the red hair who came in second, actually being named the winner, kind of like what happened on election night. <laughs> the orange horse won <laughs> who, who came in second. And it was and, and the horse had no saddle on it anymore. It was it was just so strange. And you would think. 23 horses have died this year in horse racing at one track alone, Santa Anita Park in California. The horse racing, the, the, the days of horse racing may be having the sun set on them. The horse racing industry is in a lot of trouble. This was bad time. Wasn't that running through the heads of the people that had to look at the instant replay? This might be the last Kentucky Derby with all the horses dying all over the country through horse racing. You better be careful. And to do this to your own sport, I was shocked that they did it at the Kentucky Derby because it's not something, you know, it is something that happens at a lot of races. And I do know around the country, horses are disqualified quite often. But to do it at the Derby, that sucked. Yeah, what, what sucked about it also was the fact that people celebrate this event. As you told me and we talked about for years, people back in the old days, 150 years ago, 160 years ago, before the first Kentucky Derby, and then when the Derby started, would travel for days, horse and buggy, right, before, before the internet, cars. before television yep. and radio, they would travel to go see this race because it was the biggest event in the world, or at least in the United States, the biggest sports were boxing and thoroughbred horse racing. So it has a tremendous long tradition oh. in this country. And when that race started, one thing I forgot to tell you, when the race started, I was concerned, and maybe it had to do with what happened at Santa Anita with all those horses dying, because it was raining so heavily as the horses were on the track getting ready and uh, trotting over to the starting gate, and the gates opened up and the horses broke, I had a feeling that something bad was going to happen because those horses dart out of the gate and they try to position themselves in the first three, 400 yards of the race. And with the weather and the rain and the mud, I felt like a horse was gonna go down and it was gonna go down early. And maybe there was gonna be a violent accident early on. That wasn't the case. And the reason why they disqualified maximum security dropped to 17th place and country house at an odds of 65 to one, one because maximum security started to drift over 
a couple of lanes, as they say, for lack of a better word. Right. And it brought a sense of danger into the race. And it's sure a dangerous did. sport to begin with. But then again, I thought it was the ultimate no harm, no foul. Of course, when they looked at the video review, the stewards did. They were unanimously, and they said unanimous because they knew a riot would be on their hands. They felt like they got it right because some horses were impeded going forward. But come on, Tom, these are animals running at 40 miles an hour in the rain. Isn't there supposed to be a little bit of bumping and grinding at the Kentucky Derby? Or frightened horse when he hit when he hits the stretch and they come around that corner. One of the most exciting moments in sports. And as you mentioned, long before there were even cars, people would travel across the country to watch 90 seconds. You know, people would always say they don't want to fork down their money for a pay-per-view fight. What if it ends in one round? And, well, it, it ends in 90 seconds. That's what happens to the Kentucky Derby. When they travel from all over the world to go to that 90 seconds. And when they come down the stretch, down the stretch they come! The crowd of 150,000, you know, usually at a horse race, there's seven people there. <laughs> horse racing isn't as popular as it used to be. So when there's 150,000 people there, and the horses come down the stretch and everyone starts screaming. It frightens the horses. That happens quite often in the Kentucky Derby when they come, when they turn the corner and come down the stretch. Horses sometimes jump at the sound that they're not used to hearing. The horses aren't used to hearing fans at the racetrack because there usually aren't any. So the horse jumped when it came around the corner because of the sound. And it wasn't necessarily the jockey's fault, it was the horse's fault. So I don't know if horses should be disqualified because they can't talk and so you can't cross-examine them which is why you can't put dog evidence in a murder trial because you can't ask dogs any questions same thing that it makes it difficult here especially at the kentucky derby to disqualify a horse because you can't cross-examine the horse and say did it make you jump when you went around the corner there because it certainly looked like it did we can just see it with our own two not two eyes and when there's nobody, normally nobody at the race horse at the racetrack, and 150,000 people are there one day, and they start screaming all at the same time, it's going to frighten a horse. I think that's what happened, and I think disqualify, disqualifying maximum security really hurts a sport that might be in the electric chair in the first place. And it shouldn't be in the electric chair because we had two recent triple crown champions. So the height of the, the height of the sport was celebrated in the last few right. years. And according to CNN and Forbes, uh, backers of the horse maximum security want to talk about money. They missed out on their share of 42 million bet on the race with uh, twinspires.com, the official wagering site of Churchill Downs. Of that total, 82.5% goes back to the winning betters. So everybody who was going up to the window and again of course there were a couple people that bet the long shot some people do that but it's usually a small bet hey i want to bet the long shot here's two bucks i want to bet the right. long shot here's five dollars but a lot of people tom i figured and talked to they were using maximum security as part of a parlay okay follow me they mm -hmm. were boxing maximum security with other horses hoping that win place or show the three coming in who they would box maximum security one of the favorites to win was a smart way of enjoying the race making a little bit of money on maximum security winning but also maximizing their bet by backing maximum security in a box with a couple of other horses all of those people got wiped out also the president tweeted quote was not a good one political correctness 
So here we go again, engaging the Oval Office. When the Oval <laughs> Office gets involved in probably the last year or two with Colin Kaepernick and maximum security, you know everybody's talking about this. Well, yeah, and when I talked about horse racing being, you know, wavering in the breeze or in the electric chair, it's not uh, because people have lost interest. It's because pe people are losing horses. Uh, horses are dying at the track. And horses are dying while they're working out. 23 at one racetrack at Santa Anita Park. And we always have to be aware of the moral blindness of our times. And right now, the moral blindness of our times might be that we're allowing this to happen to these beautiful animals so we can have fun betting on them at a racetrack while they put their lives on the line, like boxers do, uh, these horses do, put their lives on the line, and we give them steroids and Lasix and everything else. And some of the drugs that we give these horses are killing them while they're working out or dying on the racetrack. And we also had a horse that had to be put down during one of the Triple Crown races within the past several years. And also, a didn't we have a Kentucky Derby winner that also had to be put down not that long ago? So I think that for a sport that's wavering in the breeze, uh, those instant replay guys and women didn't do it any favors. Look, the big hook to the story on top of the Triple Crown getting blown up and many, many, many betters getting screwed, which when you get all of the fans that you love to show up and travel and get dressed up and party and go to Churchill Downs and they're oh. sitting for 22 minutes and the majority of them are getting ripped off and they're pissed off, that's not good for business. No. But to me, this whole this whole story came down to replay. It's another massive replay in sports controversy. And just think of this. In the last few months, dating back to the NFC Championship game, where the St. Louis Rams and the New Orleans Saints played with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, everyone in New Orleans thought they were robbed on an obvious pass interference that wasn't called. It was such an obvious mistake that the billionaire owners and the competition committee of the NFL voted in the offseason to change the rule. Now we're able to review with a coach's challenge pass interference. You won't believe the magnitude that decision will have this upcoming season. Every game's going to last seven hours. Well, let me give you a good example of what's going to happen. By, by week two, I promise you this will happen. There's going to be a game. It might be at the end of the half or probably near the end of the game where a team is going to be down a field goal, six points, whatever it is, and they're going to throw, not a Hail Mary, but they're going to throw a 45-yard pass. And the refs aren't going to call pass interference. But there's pass interference. They're going to review it, and you're going to see obvious pass interference. They're going to correct it. They're going to move the ball. The kicker's going to come out on the field, kick a field goal, game over. It's going to affect the total. It's going to affect the outcome. And it will cost the team, mark my word, a nine-win team a chance to win 10 games. An eight-win team, the possibility of winning their ninth game to get in as a wild card because we're going to think they get it right. And, Tom, I give you credit because you've been telling me this for years. I've always said they're going to get it right. Replay can't get it wrong because television doesn't lie. And now with the Kentucky Derby and all these other events, we're still confused and we expect replay to fix everything. Well, I, I said all the, I was always against instant replay going all the back all the way back to Rodney King, when uh, when people when they hit him over the head forty five times and then the jury said no no they didn't you know people can't pe pictures lie or 
two people see the same thing and they disagree, just like with watching a fight, JT. Same thing with instant replay. Your argument was, well, I want them to get it right. Well, that's nice, Peter Pan, but they don't always get it right. They get it wrong all the time. Everybody's been at a party. You can just pick any week. Week six in 2014, and everybody was at a party where they were watching a football game and there was an instant replay call and three people in the room say that's a touchdown and three people in the room say it's not. Or six people in a room say it's a touchdown and the referees come back and say it's not. Or six people in a room say it's not a touchdown and the referees come back and say it is. Pictures lie. Pictures don't always tell the story. And when people are two people are watching the same thing, they don't always agree on what they're seeing with their own eyes when both have 20-20 vision. Instant replay just ruins the spontaneity of sports. You're going to have controversies anyway, just mm-hmm. like with the non-call in the playoff games. Controversies sometimes keep us talking about sports at bars late into the night for years and decades. Sometimes the controversies are what makes what keeps sports alive because it gives us something to talk about in very convivial ways uh, at the bar. So I just think instant replay, it's one of those things where they're not going to take it away. They did once. They had it in the NFL. They took it away for a while, and they brought it back. And when they brought it back, I was so disappointed because nothing changed. They were constantly getting it wrong. Well, let me finish up my meat sandwich with the two slices, which are the NFC championship game and the Kentucky Derby, which we're talking about. And in the middle of it was my Vegas Golden Knights. You know, I love hockey, and I love this Vegas team. Right. And Vegas is in game seven, game seven in the first round of the playoffs after being up three games to one. They're up three nothing with 12 minutes to go Mm. in game seven with a Hall of Fame goaltender. There is a penalty called a five-minute major on Joe Pavelski going to the ground, cracking his head, blood was on the ice. There was no penalty, no penalty at all. Review, if they were able to review this penalty, the NHL has already apologized to the Golden Knights for the bad call. Obvious to everyone that there was a face-off. Cody Eakin of the Vegas Golden Knights put a stick up, nowhere near the face or the head, and the two players got tangled up. One player goes to the ice. The referees don't see it. They see blood. They hear the fans booing. They put a Vegas Golden Knight in the penalty box for five minutes, kick him out of the game. San Jose scores four goals in four minutes. Give him credit for that. Vegas really let down after that, and they move on in the postseason. If they were able to review it, remember, they weren't able to review that pass interference in New Orleans, and it cost the team a trip to the Super Bowl. It cost the Vegas Golden Knights, I believe, a chance to go to -to back-to-back Stanley Cups. So with the Kentucky Derby, with the hockey example I'm giving you, the NFC Championship, I believe now that we are all, all of us are accustomed to going to games knowing that replay is going to get in the way. NBA, whatever sport it is, we walk through the gates, we walk into the arena knowing that our viewing experience can get turned upside down by a call with instant replay. Or you're saying, or with a non-call. So you want to stop yeah. games now for non-calls. And it didn't tri- cost anybody a trip to the Super Bowl. They could have fumbled on the next play. It's just ridiculous how much they're slowing down momentum of teams. We'll never be able to quantify all the momentum that's been sh- slowed down, uh, slowed down over the years through instant replay. Coaches that throw a flag when they know it's not a penalty, they just want to slow down the momentum. It's ruining the game in six ways from Sunday.
Yeah, well, I'll disagree with you again because the momentum on the call that was the mistake that the Sharks got against the Vegas Golden Knights, Vegas had all the momentum up 3 nothing. The blown call gave San Jose all the momentum, and they ended up winning a game well, they never should have won. Now, we're not going to know what happened in that game. There was still 12 minutes left, but it really had a big effect. And replay with the Kentucky Derby. You know, the Derby's the first leg of the famous Triple Crown, which moves on to the Preakness before it gets to the Belmont. And now we're seeing the horse that ended up winning, not now entered in the Preakness. We blew up the Triple Crown. We stole people's money. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's talking about the Kentucky Derby well after the final of the Kentucky Derby. And again, it came down to replay, camera angles, and just let them race. The moral of the story is when you put a bunch of animals and you line them up and they're going to race, just like NASCAR, you take a couple, the athletes are driving the cars, but there are cars. They're not humans. And when they're bumping next to each other and they're going through a curve three wide and one rubs up against another, let them race and finish the race and let the winner remain the winner. We got robbed at the Kentucky Derby because it was one of the great disqualifications in the history of sports. And I think it's going to hurt that sport, Tom Looney, for decades to come. You say let them race. I say the same thing in the NFL and every other sport. Let them play. Thanks for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. Share it with your friends. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for being there for us. More podcasts to come. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.